Hello and welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back this fortnight to talk about Galaxy Quest. Um, yes. So, as is tradition, we shall begin with the plot summary. Uh, <laughs> the plot of Galaxy Quest follows a bunch of washed up actors who uh, run a, a, a show called Galaxy Quest back in the, what, the early 90s maybe or the late 80s um, i mean i got i got the impression it was like 10 to 20 years before when the movie is set yep that that sounds about right um and so they basically their lives have been defined by this uh and now they basically just do cameos as themselves in advertisements or uh in a big event for questarians uh the the diehard fans of the show um they're at one such convention uh the big galaxy con quest uh con i guess um when uh they are kind of embroiled in a real life version of the show where uh, some people who have seen uh, some sorry some aliens who have seen old episodes <laughs> of the show thought that it was real and uh, have kind of taken them as big heroes to to kind of help them with their own uh inter interspecies alien diplomacy mission i suppose yeah i mean essentially these aliens have no concept of like lying or deceiving <laughs> So it, it it's it's beyond it's beyond the realm of 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 possibility for them that it was fiction. I, yeah. I guess they just don't, they don't have the fiction. Of fiction. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop the plot summary there because we have to talk about Mathazar, right? Which is the name of the leader of these aliens, <laughs> who is the best. Honestly, is the my favorite part of the entire movie. Like this idea of these aliens who don't who don't understand lying or fiction and and uh, they're so smiley and they're so uh they're like childishly naive and optimistic um yeah yeah <laughs> they, i don't know i just loved it i i absolutely loved it um the main the leader mathazar was like my favorite character and performance is like he's hilarious and adorable at the same time it's awesome so i guess cuz something i didn't really bring up in the prescription was the fact that they genuinely end up in space like i i decided to maybe leave that as a bit of a mystery yeah. and I, I guess i'm wondering did you know about that part of it going in or i didn't but it, it wasn't i mean it's kind of like the characters don't realize that it's real until a certain point but for people who have seen movies before it, yeah, it's pretty yeah. obvious that that's what's going to happen so it wasn't like i wasn't surprised when it suddenly became real um it yeah i i, I guess that's my response um, yeah okay i do think they they really nailed making it feel like star trek right um mm. to the extent that the the villain aliens look like they're they're, <laughs> they're they're the exact kind of like cross of of uh makeup and uh prosthetics and whatever that you would expect on star trek and so it, the whole the whole movie has this like low budget science fiction tv show vibe but it's so appropriate yeah. it's it's awesome it's like perfectly they get it spot on yeah well i think it's a great idea for a, for a movie in that way as well because they get a bit of a pass on having shitty graphics for a lot of the points because that is the point mm. um but yeah like there are definitely multiple times in this where like, I, i'm not super familiar with most old school star trek but if you had told me they reused old star trek props to make this movie i would have just been like oh yeah okay yeah um something i found out while i was watching the while i was researching the show was that a lot of the vfx were done by uh, industrial light and magic who did vfx for star trek oh okay the show um which obviously they they obviously went above and beyond to really nail the feeling of star trek right um 
Yeah, and that goes beyond just the the visuals, but like yes. the the sense of what Galaxy Quest is in the universe of the movie is very much what the original Star Trek series yeah, it totally still is, is <laughs> in our world. Like yeah. they they recreated it without having to use the trademarked term very well. Yeah, yeah, it 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 really nails all that stuff. Um, and I think that kind of shows that it is a very kind of lovingly made uh film, right? It it really yeah. It really feels like it was put together by people who really gave a shit about making sure that it worked. <laughs> um, I remember reading a lot of, uh, I read a lot of little pull quotes from interviews that had been had with, you know, George Takei or William Shatner or or whoever, famous, famous actors who were in Star Trek. And they all kind of had the same reaction of thinking the show, uh, the movie would be terrible, but then seeing it and being like, yeah, yeah, that feels very correct. <laughs> yeah. um, I think a few of them even categorized it as like, creepily accurate yeah exactly which is a great testament to how well it it works in that sense um yeah i i think it's worth saying that i i don't think i've ever seen an episode of any star trek series um which i do think means that a lot of it i don't have the connection to this i think um which i think makes it lose a bit of that passion for me uh Mm. obviously i still enjoyed the film a lot but it, it definitely I do definitely feel like there were parts that I I didn't get as into as I could have because I just didn't I don't know either didn't didn't have the context to to fully you know gr- grasp it or just didn't have a kind of reverence of the show that that clearly a lot of the people involved did have. Yeah, I I, I sort of expected that. I, I as you said, I was hoping the movie would stand on its own even without that. Like I think it's still at least pretty good. Yeah, um, I think obvi- so. Obviously, I I I actually have to like admit the same thing i've never seen a full episode of any star trek show uh but as as <laughs> listeners of this show will know i grew up on stargate and yeah. and farscape which is like at the end of the day like for the context of this discussion the same thing <laughs> basically the same thing yeah totally <laughs> uh so so i i agree like for me even though i didn't really have the connection to star trek uh, things like Stargate were more than fine to fill that gap, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I obviously knew you didn't really have that with any sci-fi show. So I did hope, uh, I was hoping that the movie would still be good even without that. Yes, it was good. And I think it it is, like, it's, you know, I, I think we talked about Anime Crimes Division in the prescription here. Um, yeah. Where, uh, where we're not really big anime fans, but a lot of that really landed just because it is this, like, loving, you know, uh, parody dedication i don't know uh something um and and that's the same thing here it's it's obviously very well made and very very loving and that kind of makes it that even though you haven't seen the thing it it comes across yeah well just the fact that the the humor is coming from a good place like when when it's when it's oh haha how stupid are we not haha how stupid are they it just makes it inherently (laughs) more positive yeah yeah i i i actually wonder if they were gonna go harder with that because i know Tim Tim Allen, uh, his character in the movie, it kind of starts out being a bit of a jerk and has a bit of a redemption through kind of becoming more like the character that he thinks he is, but he <laughs> the person isn't. I I and I remember reading that William Shatner's um William Shatner's reaction was kind of like, oh, that's not quite right, and it definitely gave me this vibe of like, uh, I think he could have they could have gone a bit further in making that character a bit more like the jerk that William Shatner apparently is in real life. I wonder <laughs> if they intentionally didn't do that, though. Um, yeah, I, I don't know enough about that situation to, yeah. to comment too much. I will say that 
the scene in yeah. the bathroom where Tim, Tim Allen's character ha- like encounters the fact that a lot of people don't think he's as great as he does. Yeah. Um, I think I did read somewhere that that was... Ba- wait, loosely based on something that actually happened to William Shatner. Really? Um, there you go. Yeah. So the, I mean, the connections are definitely there to some degree. Yeah, I, I guess uh, it's interesting. I wonder what the politics of, and and I kind of think the same thing about you know, uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which just came out, and uh, Rocket Man, which has just come out. Yeah. Are two movies that obviously have are telling true stories about people. And, and so there's a lot of kind of politics that has clearly gone on behind the scenes with those movies. I'm curious how much of this had the same thing. I wonder. I, I think less, because like, I actually haven't seen Rocket Man or um, Bohemian Rhapsody, but yeah. my understanding from both is that like when you're dealing with stuff that a lot of the people in the movie are still alive, yeah. Um like I think I think uh Bohemian Rhapsody had like quite a few of the living members of Queen yes involved in production and Rocketman obviously had Elton John yeah. uh directly involved which in some ways is an asset but in other ways is not because for every extra insight you you get you're also obviously getting their personal bias mixed in on that. Yeah, I know Bohemian Rhapsody copped some flack for that for kind of uh watering down the story of Freddie Mercury I suppose. Yeah. Um uh, I don't know. I, I obviously don't think this did the same thing, but also there's probably not that much controversy for them to shy away from in this kind of a setting. Yeah. I, oh, I think, I, and I think, but uh, so where I was sort of going before I rambled on and, and lost the plot was, uh, <laughs> I don't think the Star Trek guys were directly involved in Galaxy Quest. Right. And, and I, th- I think that's like a somewhat important distinction. Like, you yeah, know, it's not, not having them directly on allows you to, make those decisions as creators separate from worrying about the politics quite as much yeah that's interesting to me i mean i think it's probably the right decision that they weren't involved but it they really galaxy quest really nails the feel of star trek from my limited understanding of it from (laughs) you know black mirror or futurama parodies or whatever um yeah I, i you know what i want to touch on actually is how well and i think this is what makes the movie such a success how how well cast it is um so obviously the yeah. main the main three actors are tim allen who i don't think is a great actor but obviously is pretty well cast in this role and then alan rickman and sigourney weaver who are both in my opinion pretty great actors also the 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 added meta like joke of having sigourney weaver play like the kind of the useless yeah. female character yeah, that they're exactly. making fun of is, is is just an extra layer of brilliance yeah it's perfect because obviously she's defined by her by her badass female science fiction yeah. reading lady roles <laughs> yeah so having having yeah. her play the role that's making fun of um like the the useless female characters these sorts yeah. of shows used to have uh is is great yeah and then you know the su- the supporting cast in air quotes includes like Sam Rockwell, who I think might be one of my favorite actors of all time, <laughs> and he's in this fucking weird part where he's like a he's the red shirt um that that died in every episode and he's kind of <laughs> desperately trying to be one of the gang uh it's awesome um his his recurring jokes about being worried about dying because he played the red shirt in the show <laughs> yeah, are, his, are one of the best bits his character's name is literally guy, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, well, there's the whole joke when where he asks them, uh, where they're like, you're not going to die, you know, we, we're all like, and he's like, okay, then what's my surname? <laughs> and none of them can answer. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and and honestly, I think that's what elevates this movie, right? Um, obviously, it's a comedy, and so they don't get into too much dramatic or, or tear-jerking kind of stuff, but in these quieter moments or these moments where these actors are really able to shine, um, they can, right? And that's, I think, what elevates this from being a, you know, just kind of any old uh, satire to being something that, that really feels, like, really well-made. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, fun facts. This movie was the acting debut for Justin Long, who plays the kind of nerdy kid, and the film debut for Rain Wilson. I was so surprised when one of the aliens <laughs> was just Rain Wilson. I was like, oh, shit. There he I, is. I had actually forgotten that, because I think the last time I watched this movie was before I got into the office. So it was, yeah. I, I actually had that moment rewatching it for this episode where I was like, oh, it's Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think the casting director for this movie did some really, did a did a really a really good job. Honestly, like all the yeah, characters I are agree. perfectly cast. Um, what else do I want to touch on? Uh, oh, here's something I noticed while I was watching. <laughs> There's a part where Sigourney Weaver is stressing out, and she says, "Well, screw that," but her lips clearly say, "Well, fuck that." Which was yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was meant to be like part of the joke or not. <laughs> but it was hilarious either way. So it, it it's not what what happened. The original cut for Galaxy Quest got an R rating, and obviously, you know, back in the nineties, that was more or less a death sentence for a film like this. Right? Um, yeah. You know, it's even now it's still only exceptions like Deadpool that can yeah, get away sure. with having having stuff like that. So um, there were a bunch of last minute edits to the movie to drop it down to you know I think they got around M or, or something. I, yeah. I don't even I'm not even familiar enough with the American ratings to know sure. what it ended up with. But um, yeah, that and that was one of the more obvious and and <laughs> less uh less financially costly ones was they just had Sigourney dub over herself. Yeah. And and not change it at all. Um, yeah, look, I, I get that. But I while watching it, I, it honestly felt like part of the joke, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious, that they had just dubbed her down. I mean, that that may have been the point. They may have, like, intentionally done <laughs> such a terrible job as a joke. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think a lot of, of bits about this movie worked really well. Like, the premise of the movie, like, is a very fun kind of premise. It's, like, obviously quite ridiculous, but... The characters also kind of have to take it seriously. It it leads to a lot of like fun fish out of water bits. I think it's a really well crafted movie, and it it kind of hits exactly what it's trying to be, right? Yeah, I I, I completely agree. H- having said that, it it definitely feels very nineties. Um, it I, I don't know. I I'm curious how you feel like it held up since I'm assuming you watched it recently to to talk about it here. I yeah. I think I understand that you're probably right in what you're saying. It didn't jar me at all, but then also, as we just sort of talked about, I'm someone who still uh, goes and rewatches a lot of the shitty sci-fi from the '90s and yeah. 2000s. So that that's just kind of my home ground, I guess. Like it doesn't it it maybe doesn't get to me in any way, just because um, I I go back there so often. I'm just kind of used to it. Um, like for me, it helped captures the vibe that I'm chasing when I watch it, which is, you know, making fun of and replicating crappy you yeah. know, 90s and before <laughs> sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I, I do think that, I don't know, I, I'm kind of sad because I, lo- I can look at this movie and be like, it is exactly what it wants to be, and it's the it's like a very a, a very good version of that. But there's definitely an element of like, I just don't, 
I can appreciate this movie and I enjoy it quite a lot, but I, I, I'm never going to be fully in love with it because it's just not, you know, it, 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 I'm just not the person that, that would want to, that would fall in love with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I guess you are kind of not really the target audience. Like, I guess really yeah. the target audience would be, you know, primarily Star Trek fans and then obviously, you know, or, or sort of the overflow from there into just sci-fi fans. And yeah. So I guess, I guess that does make sense. Yeah. But yeah, it's a bummer, right? Because this, Mm. I can look at this movie and be like, it's full of people that I really like and they're all doing good work and and it's obviously really well made and I don't know, but it can't, it's never going to be my favorite movie, which I think is a, it's a bummer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I'd be interested to hear if there are any bits that specifically you feel maybe fell flat because they were sci-fi specific as opposed to general like like a, a few of the jokes i would argue are just sort of generally making fun of the concept of fandom which is <laughs> yeah has totally. obviously ballooned out a lot in the last 20 years so stuff that may have been specific to sci-fi back then is now just kind of generalized fandom now yeah no you're right I, and i can be a bit more specific here i think obviously I, I quite like sci-fi but they do kind of do very star trek things like there's a part of the movie where they they go on this little side mission to get some I don't know, MacGuffin crystal kind of thing, and they have to the fight their br- way through the these. beryllium sphere. Yes, exactly. And they, <laughs> which apparently is a real thing that they accidentally invented, <laughs> which I love. Um, and, and they kind of have to fight their way through these like little gremlin puppet monster things that is obviously very like, you know, you would see in Star Trek, they go down and they do the planet side mission to get the whatever, and then they bring it back up, and that's, that's an episode, right? Um, yeah, yeah. With, and it works, it's fine, but it doesn't, it's just kind of like th- this little plot diversion, I think, would work a lot better on me if I was kind of a, into the series and, and could kind of appreciate that that's what they were doing a bit more, you know? I, I think it's stuff like that where it's like, it's fine, you know, it works, but I can't, I'm, I don't have the, the kind of cultural context with it to, to be like, oh, I, I get a lot of the stuff that they're doing here, you know? Yeah, oh, it's interesting because I was sort of thinking of that spot as an example of something that might just be generic uh, fandom, which is the mm. bit where they are down there trying to figure out if they should approach these cute little aliens and they all start arguing in terms of like episodes of the show. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. and, and it's a bit of a recurring thing, but I love all those moments where it's just like, no, 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 don't you remember episode 51 where blah, 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 blah. It's, it's yeah. so funny. And they end up they end up going with a strategy from the episode where Guy's character died, which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I get what you mean. I don't know. I I think that's my... I, I do think that I could... I, I would want to watch this movie again and kind of dive into it a bit more because I think it is an interesting concept to take a look at a movie that's obviously got a lot going right for it but just doesn't quite land for you and kind of explore that a bit more um but mm. that that's kind of my thesis for it after my after my first watch is it's i i feel like there's just this vibe of we're, we're doing a star trek right and it 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 carries that vibe but that vibe is what means it it's just a bit off course for me yeah yeah okay yeah yeah i don't know i i really loved mathazar that's the, he's the part that I liked the most. I really like that idea of this character, and he kind of is a bit of a tragic character in some ways, right? Where he's just yeah. so trusting, and he is kind of taken advantage of by by these people who want to live out their fantasy of being super action heroes, like they were in the TV show. 
Oh, yeah, Tim Allen 100% screws him over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it takes him a while to realise the weight of just how badly he's fucked over these incredibly kind race of aliens. <laughs> um, I thought that worked well. I thought that that and the villain, whose name I've forgotten now, um, who is is literally just like a guy in a lizard costume, basically, but the the real version of that, <laughs> it, 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 it plays brilliantly well. Um where they've got this like larger than life conflict and he's so villainous and this and these aliens are so innocent but of course it makes perfect sense because it's basically the reality from a TV show come to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It it's not meant to stand up uh to yeah, the rigors of yeah. like actual physics or or psychology or anything. Yeah, even more than that, it's meant to not stand up. The characters, yeah, the, yeah, the, right. the actors are meant to be like, this makes no sense, which I think is a very fun, yeah, it's like a, it's a great way to do this premise, right, is is have them actually, it's kind of similar to a trope of them getting teleported inside a TV show or a video game or whatever, but, but kind of adds a level of reality to it where it's got actual stakes. And I think it was a very mm. smart way to, to do this plot. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, obviously, I, I love sort of everything this movie does from the ground up. Yeah. Uh, so whenever you're saying good stuff like that, I'll probably just agree. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and that's my overarching thesis, I guess, is there's a lot in this movie that's really good, but I just, like, it's the best example of what it could possibly be, and to me it still isn't, it's just quite not quite for me, Um, which is, I don't know. It, it's that's a, fair. It's a disappointing conclusion to come to, honestly, because I, I don't feel like, I can point at some of the things that I feel like would make it more my thing, but that would also make it a bit less of what it actually should be. Yeah, I mean, this is going back a bit, but sort of what you're saying here reminds me of what what I remember feeling during our Over the Garden Wall episode. Like, yeah. Over two years ago, where I felt <laughs> yeah. like I, there was just something about that show. Like, I was like, I think that this is objectively a lot better than I liked it. But uh, I don't know, for, for me, yeah. yeah. So I, I think I understand what you're saying. There's this sense of... Uh, for whatever reason, this just isn't for me, but I get that it's probably very good. Yeah, yeah, I, which, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of an annoying answer, honestly, because <laughs> now obviously I have to give it a number out of 10, and I feel like I'm going to upset people, but I have to rate it on my scale of how much did I enjoy it out of 10. Yeah, well, so let's, I think let's the answer is so we can all get angry at you. I think the answer is I'm going to give it the most... Uh, average score which is a seven, <laughs> seven. out of ten <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i think yeah i think that's like i enjoyed this movie a lot and but i feel like at a lot of points i i was just kind of sitting back and being like yeah i get what it's doing and i like it i guess um which to me is a seven out of ten kind of encapsulated yeah no, that's fair enough um yeah i was i sort of took a bit of a risk knowing that old school sci-fi wasn't so much your jam and, yeah. and that's really what this was targeting so I, I i'm still happy with that result yeah i'm glad i'm glad you got me to watch it it's this is the exact <laughs> kind of thing that i think this show is great for is oh here's the thing that you probably wouldn't have watched but you're gonna get some enjoyment <laughs> out of it and get appreciation for a different you know type of thing yeah okay cool cool now on to the next thing which is my yes. my prescription to you yeah um i'm bringing you a book Elliot, a little-known gem called Good Omens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. I mean, obviously, you, 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 with the show coming out, yeah, last wait, two weeks ago. Two weeks now, ago, yeah. Um. I, you, you had to sort of just stop by and and say, hey, don't 
watch this show. Uh, yeah, quite don't yet, watch it yet. Because <laughs> uh, Good Omens, I've actually, as we discussed, I've had a copy of Good Omens sitting on my bedside table for six months and other yeah. books keep getting in the way. So yeah. uh, I, I'm very glad you're bringing this because this is a book that I have been meaning. to read it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a book I've been meaning to get to, but I've somehow missed despite it being two feet away from where I sleep. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about the book here, but honestly, and I've I've watched the first episode of the show, but I've kind of been putting it off as well so that we can talk about the book a bit and I can finish my reread of the book and then go back into the show. Um, sure. But I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll probably touch on the show a bit in a fortnight as well. Uh, I mean, time permitting, I'm hoping to jump into <laughs> the show after finishing the book. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see how I go over two weeks. How, how long's the show, out of curiosity? Uh, I think it's ten, maybe eight episodes. It's, okay, it's I might, not I might a not full, finish. Yeah. I might not finish the show, but hopefully I can get get my foot in the door so that we can talk well, about it uh, to some degree. At the risk of talking about the show too much, I definitely think because I was rereading the book when I watched the first episode, it really enhanced my enjoyment of the show because it was just kind of like, oh, this person's that person. You get to kind of directly <laughs> translate these events. It's very fun. Um, well, I think the show had Neil Gaiman as an yes. EP, uh, yeah. which is, is always a good sign now we said we weren't talking about the show and Sorry, we've just talked yes. about the show so let's tell me about, about the book, book. uh yes because i know bits and pieces but uh not much uh so so i think the first thing to touch on here is this is a book that was written by two people this is a book that was written by neil gaiman and terry pratchett in concert right and we've mm. talked about uh some terry pratchett stuff on the show before i don't think we've talked about any neil gaiman stuff no i i i probably haven't read as much neil gaiman stuff or, or seen uh, as as I would like because I I would classify myself as a Neil Gaiman fan despite probably not having touched on as much of his stuff as I feel like I should. Yeah. Um. I obviously uh, I've referenced American Gods a fair bit in uh Deep Impact. Um, yeah. And I, I'm a huge fan of that book. Uh, he's written in my opinion some of the best episodes of Doctor Who. Mm. Uh, as well. So yeah, I am. I'm a fan of his, but this, and, and again, I'm a fan of Pratchett. So I don't know why I've never read Good Omens. <laughs> Nobody knows Elliot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess the first thing to to point out is that it's a funny book. I don't, I feel like we don't even need to no like, that's, justify that's that. It's just obviously going to be a hilarious <laughs> book. Um, I I think it's interesting that this book is written by two people, right? Like that's not a thing that happens very often, right? I can't no. think of another example. The closest thing um, I can think of is the Russo brothers doing the Avengers movies, but I don't even know. Uh, no, I guess I guess we never touched on it much in the podcast, um, but obviously I've, I've read the Expanse books along with the show, and that's actually written by two people. Oh, is um, it? There you go. Yeah, so so the books are published under the name James S.A. Corey, uh, and okay. and this, and Daniel Daniel Abraham's one of the writers, and I'm blanking sure. on the other one, which is embarrassing. Um Anyway, but, uh, yeah, they so they co-write those, and and I've I've read bits about the process behind how you do that because yeah. it is it's definitely not super common. Yeah, uh, and 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 it seems it seems like a really interesting way to work, which given Gaiman and and Pratchett's sort of prolificness, uh, might have been a cool way to spice things up. Yeah, I I don't know if this exists in every copy, but there's in the back of my copy, there's like a little. FAQ, a, a bit of a Q&A interview thing um, mm-hmm. where they just answer some questions. And one of the questions is like, what was it like to write this book? And they describe the process and it basically seems to boil down to them basically having ideas and being excited about, oh, this thing should happen. And then one of them just writes a chunk of whatever that thing is. And someone else is like, oh, it, co- it would be really cool if this thing happens. And then the other person kind of writes a chunk. And it's this very much like, 
a book of conversations that then gets kind of refined into an actual thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that does sound uh I'm 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 probably going to have to look some of this stuff up about the making of cuz that yeah. yeah, that does sound really fascinating. Like uh The Expanse cheats a little bit. It it has multiple POV characters and they sort of yeah. as they're starting the book, they each sort of take ownership of a few of the characters and then the other the other writer sort of, you know, proofs it and 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 they they coordinate on all the big picture stuff, but uh, they they sort of do get to divide and conquer through those different POVs. Um, so Good Omens has multiple POV characters as well, and so maybe that's th- there might okay. be a same element there. But it definitely feels like there's a few weird stylistic things in the book, uh, like different devices, like uh, uh, like author notes, annotations are something that exists in this book. There'll just be a little asterisk, and you go down to the bottom of the page, and there's you know, a few sentences of of a basically usually a joke <laughs> about whatever the thing that that is asterisked is. That's very Pratchett. Exactly, uh, yeah. it, it totally is. <laughs> um, but but those are the kinds of things that make me think that it was a lot more of a collaborative effort than just saying, "Oh, you write for for Crowley and Aziraphale, and I'll write Anathema and, and Newt or whatever." Um, sure. Yeah, that, that's my thought about it. It, it. And the other thing I think that that kind of emphasizes that to me is. This book is it kind of devolves into a, a series of skits at times. Like it, they'll just kind of <laughs> go on a tangent about this side thing that's been mentioned, and then they kind of explore it a lot more. Um, which I, th- I again is another device that they use that makes me feel like it is a lot more of a, a process than than just divide and conquer. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess that ties up into what you were saying before about them just having lots of ideas for scenes yeah, and then exactly. sort of tying it together yeah <laughs> exactly right um yeah i think the last thing i want to say about this book is i i really appreciate it a lot more in my second read through because there's so much stuff it's so dense like you really get the idea that over the time they were writing this book they just had so many ideas and they they had so many great little jokes or moments and they couldn't fit them all in and so they just had to take them and hide little great jokes in in these places where you will miss it if you're not reading it really slowly and kind of looking for a lot of these things um like characters will say something that indicates that they're this person and they've just kind of somehow managed to end up here or that some strange you know there's a character who will say a phrase a lot and then suddenly that phrase is said by what you think is someone completely different in another scenario and you're like oh shit that means that this whole crazy thing has happened and it's this joke that you can just completely miss um there's there's a lot of stuff like that (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, which I really love because reading it for the second time, I got to, I really slowed down and was able to enjoy this a lot more. I don't know if you, if these will, I, I'm assuming a lot of them will, will come across to you, um, but it kind of gives me this vibe of, you know, we, we do Deep Impact, our other show, where we're slowly going through a book chapter by chapter. Um, and I've caught so much more on my second read through of that just because I'm, we're going through it much slower for the format of the show. And I get a similar vibe where I'm catching, I feel like I'm catching so many more things. And every other thing I catch is just another great joke, which which really lends <laughs> this vibe of this book just being a really densely well-crafted experience. Yeah, and especially, like, with these two uh, holding the pen. Yeah. It, it, they're going to be really clever as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which I look forward to. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it is clever. I, yeah, it's a very... I mean, I don't know. I, I don't feel like we need to talk about this because we <laughs> maybe next episode we'll go through and be like, these are some of the things that we found really clever. But we know it's going to be a clever and funny book just because obviously they're, they're two clever and funny people. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'm keen to go and check it out. Yeah. Luckily, you already have a copy, so you'll be able yes. to dive right into <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I guess in a fortnight, we'll come back and, and see what you thought about Good Omens. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this more because there's so many so many great bits that I just want to call out of like, oh, this is such a clever thing. Yes. Well, in in two weeks, you'll have to wait two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I've got a list here, so <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to them. Um, but that's our show for this fortnight. Uh, if you enjoyed the show and you want to leave us your comments on Good Omens or anything we talked about for... Uh, for, for Galaxy Quest this episode. The best way to do that is to send us an email at mediamdpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, uh, you can also reach us on Twitter at, mm. at mediamdpodcast. Yes, indeed. Um, we I mentioned that we do another show, Deep Impact. That is a very fun show as well, where we dive through story a story chapter by chapter. If you want to check that out, it is on the Doof Media Network, and you can find that at doofmedia.com. D-O-O-F, in case that's not apparent. Doof, doofmedia.com to our American friends. <laughs> uh, and and while, we're, while we're talking about Doof, uh, we just wanted to give a special shout out to the Doofcast. Mm. Um, I, I actually haven't listened to the most recent episode about Meet the Feebles because I, I, I had I'm never, hoping to watch the movie I had first. never heard of this movie, but I, I, I started listening to their show and I was like, what the hell is this movie? And I, I paused it because I was going to go and, and watch this Meet the Feebles movie, which for those of you who don't know, is like a, it's like a R-rated Peter Jackson uh, Muppet parody. Which sounds insane, um, but then I was enjoying the episode too much, so I just had to keep listening to it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I want to. I just, I just, I, I read that brief synopsis of yeah. what Meet the Feebles was, and I was like, well, I have to watch this first because yeah. I found uh, it was one of their uh, patron uh, mm, done episodes, right? And uh, I mean, those are either something that's you know very big and mainstream. Um, or it's something you've never heard of, in which case it's usually <laughs> fantastically bizarre. Uh, yeah. like, so it sounds, it sounds like a like very strange movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, check out the Doofcast as well at doofmedia.com. Uh, now, if you want to help out our show or any of the shows on the Doof Media Network that aren't our show, uh, the best and a great way to do that would be to leave us a review on iTunes. It's a great way to help us be discovered by new listeners. Yes. Um, and the links to all of the things that we just mentioned are on our website, which is mediamdpodcast.com. Uh, on that website, you can, you know, follow us on Twitter, send us an email, etc., as well as find all of the previous clues for the Media MD ARG, where you can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why are his fans so sweaty. Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Adapter. Adapter. And we'll see you next fortnight. Adapter.